Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Uh, Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of Ephesians once again. We're back in our uh, study of the armor of God, and we've been looking at this passage of Scripture for some time about uh, the uh, conflict, the battle that is raging and going on uh, within the life of the Christian and throughout uh, our life here on earth, and we need to be aware of these things, and and so we've been uh, studying that. Let's join together for prayer as we ask God to bless our time. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your abundance of love and grace and mercy. Lord, so many things that we do, uh, Father, we're not proud of and we're not... Uh, we, we just come and we ask that you would forgive us, Lord, for those things that are separating us from your uh, grace and, and love and, and your presence in our life. Lord, help us to, to grow close to you. Help us to desire to, uh, to be a, a part of your work and, and to be active and, and involved in ministry and, and service and devotion. Lord, help us to walk worthy in the way that you've called us to walk. Lord, help us to live according to your desire. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we seek to uh, continue to learn by studying your word. Father, uh, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we've been looking at this uh, passage of Scripture for in Ephesians for some time, and uh, we need to be aware of the fact that uh, we have... Uh, been talking about being engaged in a battle, engaged in in a, in a war, in uh, a conflict that is a result of the fact that uh, when we accept Christ into our heart and life, we become uh, a target. We become a uh, a place of of battle in our life because of the fact that we choose to take sides with with God take sides with Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we daily uh, are engaged in a battle against uh, the powers and the forces of the principalities of the air, against uh, those uh, uh, evil forces of darkness that would seek to bring us down. To uh, And listen, Satan doesn't believe that he needs to, to destroy your life in order to accomplish his goal. He knows that all, all he has to do is, is to get you to be ineffective, to get you to be uh, lacking in a desire to serve God. All he needs to do is to cause you to have a little bit of separation away from God, simply to know that you, uh, in your life, to feel like you don't need God to constantly be the focus of your life, that you don't need to constantly be in the Word of God uh, to make you feel as though you don't have to uh, uh, continue to struggle in the battle against the, the, the temptation uh, that He brings against you in order to win. That's all He needs to do to win is to just make you ineffectual, 
to make you to be apathetic to uh, the work of God, to cause you to, to have a, a little bit of distance away from God because you allow certain sin in your life, certain things in your life that, that you uh, deem as acceptable in your life when all along, according to God's Word, it is unacceptable for a child of God to live in that certain way. And He's won. He's won the, uh, the battle in your life, but we need to understand that as Christians, we're living as victors. We're living uh, a victorious life. We're living a life uh, of victory in Jesus Christ, not because of something that we've done, not because of something that we have, have accomplished in our own life, but simply because Jesus Christ has won the victory for us. And we see that uh, in and the fact that uh, uh, Scripture tells us time and again uh, that we are uh, victorious. If you turn in your Bible, uh, keep your finger in Ephesians and turn over to uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, we see a passage of Scripture here in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Uh, what shall we say then to these things? And the things that, that we're talking about is Paul is writing... Uh, in Romans about uh, the fact that, that God has predestined us, that He has called us to living a, a certain life, that we've been justified, that we've been uh, sanctified, that we've been uh, uh, made clean before God. That, that's all uh, glorified. That, that All that's in verse 30. He says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate them, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, uh, them he also glorified. All of that is the first part of, of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 to 3. All of what Paul just summed up there in that one verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, is, is what Paul laid out to the church at Ephesus in, in chapters 1 through 3 and Ephesians 1 through 3. And so he says, then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's given us all that we need in order to, uh, to be able to live a life that is according to God's desire, to live the kind of life that God has called us to live, uh, to be able to serve Him and to be uh, able to be effectual for Him. That's all of uh, chapter 4 through 6 uh, up until this last part here. And including that, that we've been studying. He, he has delivered us and provided for us all that we need to live according to His desire, according to His uh, purpose in our life. And He says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies He's saying, look, you need to understand that uh, you are coming up against a, a foe that is a great accuser. Satan, that's that name. The, uh, Satan is, is a word that means an accuser, one who's coming up against those who follow after God. Uh, up until a certain point, Satan had free roam to go up into uh, uh, the, uh, the halls of heaven and to make accusations. We see this in the book of Job, where uh, 
uh, Satan comes up there while all these angels are attending to God and, and all these angels are giving report to God and, and uh, God says to Satan, says, hey, what you been up to? And Satan says, well, I've been roaming around all over uh, your creation and I, I've taken note of the fact that, that boy, I tell you, there, there's some sorry people down there. And God says, well, hey, what about my servant Job? There's a gem amongst uh, the, the garbage. There, uh, he's he's a, a, a perfect example of those that are still following after me. And, and Job says, well, you know, Job, he, he's only doing good because of the fact that you're blessing him so much, that you've given him such a wonderful family. He's a rich man and he's got lots of possessions. He's got a business that's got him set for the rest of his life. Boy, I t- he's got a good health. I tell you, if you take away all of that, He'll curse you. God says, well, let's see. God said, well, okay, you feel like that. You're allowed to do whatever you need to up until taking his life. And Satan says, oh, goody, I get to have some fun at Job's expense. And that sets the stage for all the things that happened to Job. And so uh, Satan had free reign to, uh, to come up and make accusations against those who were followers after Christ. But after Jesus went to the cross and after Jesus Christ went uh, to pay the penalty of our sins and after He was dead and buried and rose on the third day, Satan didn't have that, doesn't have that privilege anymore. Satan can't go and say, hey, look at all these uh, decrepit people. Look at all these people that are nasty and, and no good. What happened? Jesus came and, and paid the price and the penalty. So now when uh, He looks down, now when God looks down, He doesn't see us living our life according to our own ability and, and, and our own uh, 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 faith in Him, but... Rather, He sees the blood of Jesus Christ covering our sins. No more. No more. We live in a, in a, in a day of, of victory. No more is Satan able to, to make accusations. He says, who's, verse 33, who's going to lay charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. He's the judge. He's the one who, who uh, is... is uh, Making the righteous judgment. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that has died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also making intercession for us. Who's going to be able to separate us from the love of Christ? He says, look, Jesus Christ is there making uh, an atonement for us. Jesus Christ is there making intercession for us. God's the righteous judge. God, uh, Jesus has paid the penalty. There's nothing else that can be come up again. We got the super, we got the super team. Uh, uh, like uh, during uh, some of those famous trials that were broadcast on TV, and the whole nation was watching the O.J. Simpson trial and all that kind of stuff. And they assembled the uh, the super defense team to uh, to where uh, they believed they were going to be able to get. Uh, anything that came up against O.J. Simpson uh, knocked down. The Bible said, Paul says, uh, who's able to separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to be able to make accusation and cause us to be separated from God because of our sin? Shall, shall tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. 
We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He says, look, if it was all up to us, if it was all up to our own ability, if it was up to all of our, on our own uh, 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 things that we have done, we would be as sheep headed to slaughter, but we're not. He says, but we're not. Nay, in all these things, we are more than what? Conquerors through Him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because the Creator of all that is in the height and the depth and the length and the breadth and the uh, age past and age to come is the one who saved us who brought us to salvation in Jesus Christ he's the one who paid the penalty for our sins and if he's the one the creator of all that is if he's the one who's done all those things for you and he's the one who has uh, has made all things has brought salvation to you there's nothing in this world that will be able to take that separation uh, that salvation from you amen boy that ought to make you feel like a victor that ought to make you jump and shout. That ought to make you say, uh, uh, hoop and holler all up and down the street for all the things that God has done for you. That's an amazing thing. We've received the victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to mark that one in your Bible. Oh, that's another good one. That's another good scripture. Boy, let me tell you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the what? The victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Paul says to the church at Corinth, hey, you need to understand, you're the victor. You've been given the victory in Jesus Christ. You have been able to have a victory over all the things that are plaguing your life. What is it that's burdening you? What is it that's keeping you from serving God? What is it that's causing you to feel like you're not worthy? To serve God. Every time, every time a child of God gets ready to do something for God, Satan comes up and whispers in there, oh, who are you to tell that person about Jesus? Hey, who are you to say something about their sin in their life? Look at all the sin in your life. He comes up to your ear and he whispers into your ear, hey, you're no better than anybody else. When all along He knows you're the victor. When all along Jesus Christ has given you the victory over sin, over death and the grave because He won the victory in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. And He's given you the victory as well. You're victorious in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians. Paul had to write him a second letter. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us 
triumph. To triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place for we are not uh, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish to be one to the one we are the savior of death unto death and to the other the savior of life unto life and who is sufficient for these things for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God but as the sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Look, we have the opportunity to serve God. We have the opportunity to live for God because we have been given the triumph. We've been given the victory in Christ. We have been able to triumph in what Christ has done for us. 1 John 5, verse 5. 1 John 5, verse 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, and the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three who want bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He hath testified of His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not... God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. We are overcomers. We have been made victorious. We are invincible against the powers of Satan, against the forces of Satan. We are invincible through the power of Jesus Christ. And if we accept defeated is because of our own desire to be defeated. Not because of what Satan has done for, against us. Not because he has greater power than Jesus Christ because he doesn't. Not because he is able to do more than Jesus Christ because he can't. We are victorious. So that brings us back to Ephesians chapter 6. We've been lo- learning about living a victorious life, living in the battle against the things of Satan that would cause us to falter, living with the power of God in our life, living with the ability to overcome the the onslaught of Satan. And and we've talked about the various things that, that God has done for us. He's given us His armor. And we go, and that goes beyond just merely survival, but we're, we are victors in Him. And we are victorious. And because we are victorious, He tells us that we have the spoils of battle. That we deserve the spoils of battle, which is to inherit the possession of the vanquished foe and to receive the spoils as a son of God, a child of God. 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. You don't have to turn there, but Israel was going into battle with King Jehoshaphat. and They were going into to battle against Ammon and against uh, uh, some of their other foes. They were going against uh, Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And God was causing them to go into battle uh, and... He was bringing judgment upon these three nations, and these three nations were coming up and together in unison against the people of God. And, and even though the children of God were numbered in the millions, uh, they still were uh, of the mentality of thinking about themselves as slaves rather than the people of God. God said, go. Go and prepare. And go and stand and watch. Watch me be the victor. Watch me take the care of the battle for you. And so they went and they assembled and they were all there ready uh, for the battle uh, against these three nations. And they were just sitting there uh, looking and waiting. And God created confusion amongst the armies of these three nations. And they basically defeated themselves. And they, they caught, God caused such a confusion that they destroyed every one of themselves. The people of God, the Israelites, won the battle without firing a single arrow, without a single person engaging in the battle. They stood there and they watched the hand of God defeat their enemies. That's a lesson for us today. When you are going up against enemies of, against God, when you're going up against those that are, are, are coming constantly against you, you need to understand that God is the victor and God has given you the victory. You don't even have to engage in the battle. You just have to simply be of faith and watch God be victorious. You just simply have to believe that God is going to, uh, to give you the victory. Believe that God is going to help you to overcome. Allow God to, to have the victory in your life. They stood there and they watched them go into battle. And then God said, look at all the spoil that is there before you. And so the children of Israel went amongst the dead bodies of all their enemies. And they picked up all the jewels and all the gold and all the things that, uh, that they, these armies had taken with them into battle. And, and they collected all these things and they took it back as the spoils of war. And God said, look, that's your, that's your reward for believing in me. The spoils of victory. The spoils of victory for the child of God is, is being of use to God, of being able to be of ser, uh, service to God. Jehoshaphat and Israel stripped their foes of the spoils of the great riches from those bodies that were slain. They were super conquerors. They didn't even have to fight. All their enemies were dead and all the spoils uh, were theirs. And they sang and praised God for the victory. They sang and praised God for what He was, had done. God does all the fighting for us. And we receive the victory. But we have to be ready for battle. We have to go believing and prepared for battle. And that's what God has been telling us through His servant Paul and his letter to the church at Ephesus, we have to have the belt of truth, to be committed, to be ready, to be prepared, to gird up the loins, to be prepared to go into battle and be prepared for the onslaught that is coming. 
then we take on the breastplate of righteousness, which is uh, 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 guarding the the center of thought and emotions. Remember we talked about the heart was the center of thought for the, uh, the person of that day and age. That was where they believed the center of thought was from. And their loins was where uh, they believed their emotions were. And so uh, God is calling us to a personal holiness. He's calling us uh, to righteous living. He's calling us to guard these places of vulnerability in our life and to live a holy life and to walk uh, in the way of, of holiness. Then we're to have uh, shoes of preparation of the gospel of of peace. That's what we talked about last week. And that's all about standing uh, uh, firm against Satan with the knowledge that God is there for us. Uh, Standing firm, standing against uh, the, the attack of Satan with the understanding and knowledge that God is going before us. And today we're talking about, in verse 16, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. It says above, uh, it says, uh, look, finally, my brethren, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all to stand, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, verse 16, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Let's talk about the shield of faith. It's not a shield like you and I think about in terms of uh, medieval uh, knights going into battle uh, with a suit of armor. That's oftentimes what we think about, the, the suit of armor like what we think about uh, the, the, uh, the knights going into battle in England and, and uh, France and in all, all those other areas. Uh, that's not the suit of armor that, that Paul is envisioning from uh, the Roman Soldier, it's a different type of of armor, and we think about that uh, shield that looks like a, a shield that we think of in our mind and our uh, mind's eyes oftentimes as being uh, that shield that that's got all the curves and everything, and that's not the shield that he's talking about. Usually, whenever a person of that time. Uh, thought of a shield. They thought of a couple of different uh, shields that the Roman soldier used. First of all was a smaller shield that was uh, usually attached to their forearm. Uh, That was the arm uh, that was not used for the uh, sword. 
and it was a shield that was probably not much bigger than a frisbee, and it was a shield that was used in personal combat, a shield that was used uh, to parry the, the small sword that was used more, more of like what we would think of as a dagger. Uh, we think of a dagger as basically a, a bigger knife, but the a short sword of a, of a soldier doing hand-to-hand combat was a small sword uh, because they wanted to have agility. They wanted to have speed they wanted to have the ability to uh, to lunge and to to attack the the other soldier to the point where they would be victorious so they didn't want one of those big long broad swords like we think of from mid- medieval europe we it was a smaller sword that was uh, much smaller and and agile but it, because of that the shield was smaller it was used to uh, not against a direct impact because that's probably not what would happen. Most likely it was used to parry that uh, uh, attack uh, of a glancing blow to keep the soldier from being impaled a different way. That was the small uh, small shield for hand-to-hand combat. But uh, that's not the shield that is mentioned here. The word used here is theron. And it is a large shield that is used to repel the attacks of arrows. It's a massive plank of wood that is covered in uh, leather uh, that's treated with certain oils and things to quench uh, the fiery flaming arrows that are sent in by uh, the opposing army or most likely a uh, metal shield that is used to, uh, to cause those arrows to glance off and, and not be a danger. Uh, it was a shield that was four and a half feet wide by two and a half, uh, uh, four and a half feet tall by two and a half feet wide. And it was used as a, uh, as basically a portable wall to keep the soldier from being, uh, attacked with, uh, this, uh, parry of, of arrows that would come from the other army. It was a, a shield that, that covered the whole body. It was to give them a place of uh, safety against the fiery arrows of the army. It says here, above all. Now when he says above all, take, on, uh, take the shield of faith, he's not talking about just the shield of faith. But what he's talking about here is above all, he's talking about the last three items, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. He's talking about these last three things. Why is he saying above all and then talking about those three? Well, because the other items that we've already covered, the belt of truth, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the uh, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Those are things that are considered to be an everyday soldier's attire. Those are things the soldier wouldn't uh, go into battle and fight the other army and, and if he was victorious and didn't have uh, damage to his body, he would come back to his place of refuge, a tent or whatever, and and he would leave those things on. Those were the things that he was was prepared to go back into battle at any moment. Those were the things that, that he had on. It's kind of like a football player. 
All of us are familiar with football, and a football player has shoulder pads, and he has pads on his thighs and his knees, and he's got pads on his elbows, and probably has gloves and things, and he's got all got a helmet and all that kind of stuff. And when he comes to the sideline, does he take all that stuff off? No, he usually just takes his helmet off so he can hear what uh, his coach is saying and so he can get a little bit of breath of air uh, and not have uh, that, that helmet on his head. But he keeps the shoulder pads and, and all the other pads on because he knows that there's a chance he might go back into the, the game, right? Now the chance is, is that he's going to, after the timeout is over or after uh, he's got, got his breath back, or after the series of plays is over, he's going to go back into the, to the game. So he doesn't take all that stuff off. Or a baseball player that is uh, the catcher. The catcher has, uh, uh, of course, he's got the face mask. That's what we all see. So the ball doesn't hit him square in the face, but he's got this big pad that's over the front of his chest and he's got pads on his knees and all that kind of stuff and he's got a glove when he comes to the dugout he takes his glove off and he takes his mask off but he's got all those other pads still on because he knows he's going back into the game and it's kind of a bother to get all that stuff put back on if he takes them all off that's the life of the soldier he's always prepared got always the belt on always has the breastplate on always has his uh, his shoes on and so he's ready for battle. When he goes into battle, he picks up his sword, puts his helmet on, and grabs his shield. That's why he says, above all, because he's going to start talking about a different category of the armor, and that's the armor that goes into battle offensively. The rest of that stuff has been defensively. Now he's taking on uh, these items for defense and offense. And so he's taking the shield. What for? Well, it's to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, Satan, the devil, the paneros, the bad one, the wretched one, the vile one. The enemy is coming against us with fiery darts and those fiery darts are coming and we need to have the shield to keep us from being attacked by those fiery darts and consumed. The battle's not just against philosophy, but about from personal people bent on destroying the believer. And so they're going to uh, attack us with fiery darts. The devil is, is attacking the truth of God and the character of God and the people of God to bring about uh, destruction. What are those darts? Those fiery darts are seduction and temptation. The devil seduces the believer with impurities and selfishness and doubt and fear, with disappointments and lust and greed and vanity and covetousness. Basically, all of the sins of man are summed up in the lust of the flesh. Wanting things for ourselves, coveting things, things that are for our uh, lavish selfishness, the lust of the eyes, of, of looking at impurities, of lustfulness in our heart, desiring of, of things of the flesh, and the pride of life, 
lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Having uh, all the things that we want, vanity and greed, and, and having all the things that would uh, cause us to value our life over giving our life of service to God. So we're to have the shield of what? The shield of faith. The shield is to block the the enemy of Satan, uh, the enemy and Satan of attacking us with these fiery darts. And what is it that we that we're using? The faith of the believer, the belief in God, the belief that God is who He is. Do you believe that God is the creator of all that is? Do you believe that He is the one who has power over all? Amen. Is able to overcome all? Do you believe that He is uh, given of Himself, His Son, to die on the cross for your sins? And Do you believe that He died on the cross to take away your sins? To take away the penalty of your sins? To take away the, the, the punishment of your sins? that you're rewarded as a believer of God with His grace, with His mercy, with His unfailing love, with a changed heart and a changed life, with purity, that God prevails and perseveres. That no matter what you face, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is, is coming against you, that God has made you victorious. Do you believe that? Amen. That faith is what gives you the faith to overcome the temptations of Satan. The faith to believe that God is not there for you. The faith to believe that, uh, uh, that God is there for you no matter what. And to now denounce the, the temptation to believe that you're all alone. The faith to believe and understand and know that God has given you the power over all the temptation that Satan can throw against you. That is the shield of faith. The shield of faith that gives you the ability to go out into the world and to share the gospel of Christ, not because you're better than everyone else, not because you're any better than, than anyone else, not because you're not a sinner, but that because you are a sinner saved by God's grace. You are a sinner that has been redeemed by the power of the blood of Christ. And that is what you're going to share. It's to share the power of God in your life to overcome the, the sin and the wretchedness that keeps you and me and everyone else away from God and to help others have a victory in their life as well. A victory over sin, death, and the grave. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we pray that You would help us, Lord, to have the victory that You've given us. The victory in Jesus Christ. The victory to believe and trust in You and to rely upon You for all the strength and the power that we need to overcome powers and the forces of darkness in our life, to be a testimony, to be a witness, to share the gospel, to, to go forth and to proclaim your holy word. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that's not been living in victory, not living 
according to your way in their life. Lord, that you would give them the, the, this opportunity to commit their life to you, to recommit their heart and life to living a life in your salvation, of living their life as a servant of God, a soldier of Christ, to overcome the power of Satan, and to live victoriously as a child of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.